dive into it so the reason I wanted you on here and you know as I said it at the ADIs like I came to see you for three hours yeah. and I came to see you do surgery and like I, I was just I think as a young surgeon sometimes you think how much more have I got to go you know I've got these basic skills and then I watched you and I just realized like this is amazing I just was left okay. just so motivated because you've got so much you got you got so much skill set, but there's so much technique to everything you do. Thank you. Um, and it was just so clean and crisp, and I, it just completely motivated me. You know, like I, I don't think I've been motivated before, but no, that's what I mean, uh, <clears throat> For me, uh, I was one of you guys in few like, some time ago, and then every time I did work and I got frustrated, yeah. I was thinking like, what I'm doing wrong? Why I'm doing wrong? You know, and uh, and and if my lecture in ADI was exactly the same. Yeah. Then it took me some time to understand why things are going wrong, how can I rectify, and then and then and then mentors like Aston Urban and Prosperi mm. and big people, these guys are getting predictable result all the time. Yeah. Because they understood the problem, they did the work they did. So yeah. it's 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 a journey, you know, and everybody has to go through that. And uh, yeah. some then I try to cut down that uh, through my journey through my ASHA course. Yeah. I've been that, so why should young guys should go the same journey, making a mistake, 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 and then find by the time you know they find that oh great. So I'm trying to filter that part of journey yeah. for guys like you and other colleagues. Yeah. So that this is what I've done, and I, uh, and if you want to take the long journey, it's fine. Or if you want to do a short journey, mm-hmm. just you know, do this technique and which works. So, so what was your journey in implant dentistry? When did you, you know, get involved in implant dentistry? Well, uh, my first implant was started in 2003 uh, with Dr. Hill Tatum. Wow. Yeah. He's a legend, uh, yeah. surgeon. And uh, um, so where I learned my sinus graft technique from him, and uh, which is, I was so privileged to do that uh, with yeah. him. So those days was bone expansion, nothing else. You know, yeah. you expand bone, uh, the osteotomy and the implants. No soft tissue, nothing. Just do that, mm-hmm. and, and that's why my journey started. Okay. Then uh, you know, as everything, everything's advanced, uh, mm-hmm. and the techniques change a little bit. Still, I believe in next bone expansion thing, but and then a little bit of that. Then I did my Prof Cody technique for a long time. Went to did a full curriculum uh, with his course, five five of them in Germany. Okay. Um, then still, I was like not getting a result what I want. It's not a technique. Maybe my skills was not good enough to do the uh, core technique. So I was mm-hmm. performing so many big cases. Still, I had a bit of bone loss due to uh, the not performing the technique right, I would say. Okay. Then I went to uh, Eastern Urban, as you know, and then his technique, and I understood more. And by the time I was doing his course, I was started understanding the type of defect. Yeah. biomaterials you use, yeah. why you use that, and what the advantage of autogenous bone, yeah. and, uh, how, and, and how come the other biomaterials can help the autogenous bone to work together. And I guess by the time you've gone all the way through this journey and you've gone to Istvan, of course, you're already a, a more skilled surgeon just by, you know, for the fact that you've done more surgery, you've got exactly. more experience. Exactly. So what, what do you think you were doing wrong from a surgical point of view, a technique point of view earlier on then that, you know, I, I suspect if you went back and you did 
Kuri's course now, you might look at it with a different pair of eyes. Mm-hmm. But what, what do you think was the key difference between Balaji today and Balaji, you know? Yes, a good question. The, that point, I know, like everyone, I went there, I learned a technique, yeah. but I didn't know the uh, why I'm doing it and yeah. why this technique good for that defect or that particular patient. Selecting a patient, mm-hmm. understanding the, is it a horizontal defect or a vertical defect or a hard tissue or a soft tissue or a combination. So yeah. you need to start there first. So yeah. every case I hadn't seen no bone, I put, tried to put some bone in. Yeah. And biomaterials, you know, you did, did people knock your practice door every day and give you free sample of biomaterial. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. that work, that work. And you know, oh, fine, put it in, close it in and, you know, uh, hope to work. Okay. But uh, what now I do is totally different is, and uh, is I understand the defect spend mm-hmm. some time to study about the patient mm-hmm. and the uh, type of defect, then I choose the biomaterial or technique to suit that particular one. Okay. Soft tissue. I mean, we, I mean even now we, do, we, we take it soft tissue as like granted, yeah. but soft tissue is more important how, why, how it works. And most of the defect can be. Now I've done, doing a, I've done a, a Professor Zakuli course. Yeah. So that I understand the soft tissue more, how much important is that? Yeah. Then added to that is yeah. like you mentioned, when you raise a flap, yeah, I raised a flap. Yeah. Now yeah. you see, I yeah. totally do different. The 10 years ago, Balaji was raising a flap, trying yeah. to close it, not able to close it, take yeah. a break, cut, 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 yeah. pull, 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 close it. And yeah. now I know even yeah. before I walk on a flap, yeah. I know how much advancement I need. <clears throat> yeah. I, I think I think for people who who weren't there at that talk, you know, that I gave, I I talked about things that I've learned from watching you. Yeah. And one of the things, for, you know, again for people who weren't at the talk, was like the there were bits that I was going slow on and taking time on, and I thought were really important. But what I learned from you is that actually the bits that I hadn't thought were important are important. And you were giving so much more time. The way you raise your flap, you know, I was kind of numbing up, getting in there, raising the flap so I can start work, and actually you had a completely different mindset to it um, yeah. and you were going slower than me. And then I'm thinking, God, here I am just raising a flap as fast as I can. Yeah. I'm trying to be clean, obviously, but you know, yeah. um, it's a totally different mindset. And, I, and that's something I learned. It is, you know, kind of like you're right, because and I, before I was world surgery trained and I'm flap raising was not a big part of my surgery, you know, just raise a flap, do the job, close it. Yeah. And the flap design was like, oh, I didn't even think about flap design. Okay, open it, work it. If not, cut more, open it. But now I think about flap design four or five times before I take my blade in my hand. Keep yeah. looking at the uh, defect, looking at the patient, vestibule, yeah. uh, periosteum type, and then how much you're going to advance and how wide you need to go. Do you mm-hmm. need a one vertical or two vertical? You know, so many questions you ask in your head. Mm-hmm. before you take the blade then you take the blade yeah and then you spend time on the flap and then you know and, and same thing to lingual flap and particularly doing lower mandible is yeah. very very important how you do it and yeah. parietal flap and upper jaw it's you know because that's what going to preserve your bone graft for how long you want to keep it mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and like so during your talk one of the things I loved was um you were just showing some of your failures and you were saying you're showing this failure from 10 years ago and you were saying look I, I was thinking should I even be an implant dentist and you know yeah. I, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking you know 
there's, there's, I can think of similar things where I'm like, you know, I'm not where I want to be surgically yet. There's yeah. still, I've still got a long way to go. And um, I, I thought that was great. But is, is that what motivated you to kind of go down this guided bone and tissue regeneration? Yeah. Of, like, yeah, go on, sorry. No, it's true. No, you're right. Because, like I said um, in the lecture in the ADI, uh, it's you know, it's every time I did work some work, it frustrated me, uh, and you know, and I wasn't happy at all. Mm. And then the question I asked you, I was like, no, you know, if I'm not happy, why should I keep doing it? You know, yes, money is one side, yeah. but you know, if you need to be enjoying what you do, mm. and that pushed me to go and do several courses and several techniques. And I know what I do is I combine all the techniques and courses uh, in the course, which works for me and the patient. So that way we get the result, predictable result, more yeah. than anything else for me. Yeah. And, and if there was like, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on actually. I'm going to move on to like a complication that I think people yeah. uh, want to know about. So as part of this talk, I, um, I spoke to a few people saying, you know, what, what would you want to know about, um, for, you know, from biology? And one of the things that I think has come up a few times is membrane exposure. So obviously that's one of the things we worry about. You know, we put in some bone, we put a membrane over it and then we're closing up. And the last thing we want is for membranes to expose. So... First of all, I think there's two parts of this. Why do, why do you think this happens? You know, why is it that people are placing membranes and then they're becoming exposed? And what, what can people do to prevent that? Or what do you think people need to do differently in your experience? Again, it's going back to the diagnosis and uh, finding what type of uh, defect going back to that and finding out the biology or the biotype of the soft tissue they're going to treat that particular patient. Okay. Uh, the thin biotype, you need to decide what type of membrane you're going to use. And uh, if it's a horizontal graft, what type of membrane you're going to use. Okay. Mostly the membrane exposure happens, particularly in the cytoplasm membrane, where the, you know, uh, you know, that's most thing. So mm -hmm. cytoplasm membrane is used for mainly vertical graft. And sometimes I've seen patients, people, colleagues using for horizontal graft as well, which is fine, which yeah. works. But I because there's a risk of membrane exposure, you've got to select the right patient for that. Okay. That includes smoking, then general health and world health and everything, or okay. any other infection in the mouth. Okay. If you're dealing with a uh, central incest, then you need to make sure there's a wisdom tooth is not infected or any uh, infected root treated teeth. So there's so many criteria you've got to choose before you start. Okay. Uh, and so, for example, if you're going for a knee surgery, they look in your mouth and say, go to a dentist to do a, perform a knee surgery. Right. We are the only clinicians. We do big work. Next tooth will be root treated and all this by a chronic infection. We don't we ignore the tooth completely. Okay. So those are the starts from that, choosing a right patient for the treatment. Mm -hmm. Second thing, understanding the uh, biotype, uh, periosteal type of the type of periosteum, what, what you're dealing with, depth of vestibule, what type of uh, defect is a vertical or horizontal. Yeah. That determines your what type of membrane you're going to use. Okay. Then comes to the surgical skills and understanding the anatomy of that area what you're going to work mm -hmm. and the muscle attachment, how much flap you're going to release and how you're going to release. When you release the flap, you've got to be very careful that you know you, don't, you shouldn't thin the flap. If, if you yeah. thin the flap too much, membrane exposure happens again. Okay. So the way you release your periosteum. Periosteum, or, or sometimes you can't release the periosteum, then you've got to do different technical perioelastic, uh, perioplasty, 
So okay. which means undermining the periosteum and choosing the other way. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you do uh, orbicularis or his muscle uh, dissection to close it. So yeah. again, they all depends on that. Yeah. 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 So I, I think for me, I mean, from what you're saying, what, what, one of the things I know is I've got one recipe to, to kind of augment bone horizontally and get a primary closure. But from what you're saying is there's, there's so much more to it. You can't just use one recipe necessarily. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and to adding to that, and closure of the membrane. If you're doing a cytoplasm membrane, mm. uh, removable one, is non-dissolvable one, then it has the flap has to be closed, like uh, by bilayer closure. It shouldn't be a primary closure. It should yeah. be bilayer closure. Then use the different technique of suturing it. Yeah. Uh, using cytoplasm sutures. So that as well, you've got to be very very passive, allowing your edema, your swelling to be not stretching the uh, membrane off from the uh, suturing. So okay. every step is quite important. Yeah. And if you have an exposure, don't panic, don't worry. Uh, there is a way of treating the complication okay. as long as it's not uh, infected. And in, then you can leave the membrane, as you know, uh, four to six weeks, then you can remove the membrane and you, you dealt yourself that one. Yeah, and yeah. You still, you can get this very good bone if you deal the complication in the way you know you know how to do it. Yeah, I mean, so so for me, one of the cases I showed was one of my cases was that I had a small exposure of the cytoplast membrane, and one of the things that you know there's a lot of people using cytoplast membrane, but if you get any small exposure, that'll just continue to open up. You're not going to get healing by secondary intention. So I think there's a lot of people who don't realize that. Yeah. Um, and you know I, I think the reason that it's such a popular membrane is because of its volume stability you know it's yes uh, and that's why people use it and that's such a big thing exactly uh, yeah but there's so many ways of achieving stability of your membrane and your graft yes yes and uh you know the, the cytoplasm membrane is fantastic if you know how to use it okay but there's a big thing is the exposure. You're right. But then uh, exposure for me, I, I maybe had a one yearly exposure uh, out of, I don't know, the last number I've been in the last seven, seven years. Amazing. Late exposure, I do get uh, maybe two or three. But again, late exposure is fine because it, that's because mainly due to trauma to uh, prosthetics, like a temporary bridge or something like that. Yeah. It happened twice. And that's fine because that's happened six months time after the uh, surgery. <laughs> Has, has your workload changed now then? So, you know, for me, I, I look for nice straightforward cases and I, and I, I enjoy them and I, I like try to push the envelope a little bit but within my skill set. I guess your, your workload, is it, is it still straightforward cases or are you finding that you're more taking on these cases? For me now, like 70 to 80% of cases are complicated cases now. Uh, it became a normal for me. Um, mostly of failed implants or a severe big bone graft vertically or whatever. Yeah. 20% on regular regular implants and stuff. So when I get to regular implant cases, I feel like, oh, wow, it's a good day. It's a bit of relaxing day. But yeah. uh, mostly like three, two, three days a week is always complicated cases now. It's challenging because for these patients, they've, they've already had, they've already gone through like six, nine months worth of surgery and then not got an outcome, not got a tooth on their implant. So yeah. how, how do you manage these people? I mean, are they, do you, they must, some of them must come in angry, I guess, or upset or... One good thing is because they've gone through that, the expectation is low. Right. Okay. You know, and I, you know, because when they've gone through so many things and they had implant place and failed and they come to me and they say, uh, oh, you know, just give me something, you know, 
to make it look good. Um, but when I produce the result work and after doing so many works, and they yeah. are, most of the time they're like, wow, it's, it's amazing. Like, you know, I, we didn't expect that. Yeah. And how uh, do you manage their expectation from a time point of view? Because I imagine people, like you say, you know, just give me a good result, but I just want to get this over and done with now. How do you, how do you manage people's time? That, that, you know, that's the block I had when I started this technique. When mm -hmm. I went to the course, came back and then saw, oh, this is going to take nearly 12 months to 14 months to give the patient what they want or yeah. give them something. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, it's going to be a long time. But you know what? The patients are more understanding than as clinicians because okay. we want to finish off, yeah. the job done, move yeah. on to this patient and yeah. uh, get things just us, not patient. Patients are more understanding. I and mean, when you explain to them, look, this is what you had, this is the problem you had. Mm -hmm. Now what we're looking for is to give you something back. It mm -hmm. takes time. Yeah. Explain to them, keep the expectation low, time-wise. Don't overpromise, say, oh, we'll be done in six months. Say, look, it might take you 15 months to 18 months. Yeah. Then finishing 12 months to four, 14 months. Yeah. And when you do more and more cases, uh, like almost I do every week now, I don't even remember start by the time I finish. Oh, it's already done. Right. So you know, because you're seeing more different cases, and every time you, almost every week, you are finishing one patient or two patients a week. Yeah. So that, that way you feel better on yourself that you are completing the case, uh, you know, work for them. Okay. And patients more, they're much more understanding than we are with as a clinician. We are the one who wants to rush, not them. Right. I'm sure that's true. And um, so this is, I mean, obviously you've got a lot of work on and you're busy. So how are you finding time to do the course? Because it's now, you're, it's now, it's a lot of work to put together, even a small lecture, let alone what was three days now turning into, it's a four day course now. Is that right? It's my passion, Deepesh. You know, I love what I do. And the thing is, I said, I don't want any of my colleagues to go through the journey of where, I, which I went through. Yeah. But that's what I'm, I'm I, is I'm and I want to share my knowledge uh, so that you know we can all do things, yeah, amazing things. You know, uh, it's not that's what I always say. You know, don't say oh it's not for me. It's not for uh, I don't have enough skill sets. But if you put your head and time in it, mm. and everyone can do it, that's what I want to do with, through this course and have a faculty of people. Working. I told you when you met me as well. People working together so we all can do work together and then you know develop yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great, great pleasure to work to do these things. And how many cohorts have you had go through now? Uh, the, we've done this, the next year will be the third cohort, okay? So there'll be two, two, two days because what I feedback I had from previous cohort uh, colleagues were first cohort was two days is too much because I learned this technique over years and I'm trying to compress everything in two days. Yeah. Then we did three days last year. And yeah. even then, you know, we are, they are like, oh, no, it's not long enough. So yeah. next cohort is the two days with starting with minor horizontal graft to soft tissue go with it. Mm -hmm. By the time come the next two days in July, mm -hmm. they have some patients done and booked to do next vertical graft. Right. So added to that, what I'm doing is uh, now, because uh, next year we're having a study group in Manchester, just day before my ADI, I think. Okay. All the uh, student I mean, colleagues who did the cohort one and cohort two and mm -hmm. cohort three, who is going to do, we all having get together. Okay. That get together, they all bring in the cases. 
Okay. Then I'm going to talk about a lot about soft tissue because every time I found the soft tissues now is the hardest one people not understanding enough. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have another um, just small course sort of thing. Uh, no fees, nothing just for the colleagues who done the course with me. Yeah. We're just going to discuss the uh, soft tissues and cases from them. Yeah. So yeah, we are planning to do one or two study groups over a year as well. Yeah, and it's amazing. I mean, I've heard you talk about the the course beforehand, and you know, and at the ADI we were chatting beforehand, and um, you know, one of the things that comes through is that you've just got this genuine passion for people to like learn from it. It's not a case of I want people to come on it, and if they take something, they take something. You're 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 hungry for them to like be able to kind of take on the mantle really and become you know. Exactly. You know, the, the, the thing is, this is not the course, you know, you, after the course, it's not, it's not a course that you're going to come in and then two, two days or three days or four days and stops. It doesn't stop that. Right? You know, it's going to be a continuous learning from each other, discussing with each other. And um, and we have a faculty of group of clinicians who, you know, pioneering this sort of technique and then, you know, we all can expand that way. Yeah. Amazing. And I'm going to finish off now. So, I think if you can go back and you could give, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna try and add this onto the end of every talk if I remember it, but I think it's really useful for people like yourself who are really experienced. If you could give one tip for young dentists, it doesn't even have to be implant dentists, you know, it's things that you could just, if you could look at people and you could, you could just shake them and just go, look, if I can give you this one thing, I know it's gonna change your career or the, your mindset or your life. Yeah. What's that one tip you would give people? Right, okay. On- Unless I think about, for me, how I do is the, everything you do, particularly the patient, and yeah. if you don't do it for your family member, your friends, just don't do it. You know, treat everyone as you're treating your family member and friends. Yeah. When you do it first time, do it right. Mm-hmm. Don't cut corners. Okay. When you try to cut corners, you are the one going to fix it. To yeah. fix it, you lose money, time, and stressful. So just get it done, right? Have a passion, spend time, control, wound, uh, you know, the treatment and uh, do it with passion as you're treating your family. But yeah, but I mean, it's simple, but it's effective, isn't it? Exactly. exactly. You know, uh, that's why when I try to, when I'm rushing to go somewhere, like you said, Michael Lawton, how, you know, even just running late, he yeah. sat there with the patient. Yeah. That makes difference. Yeah. That's what makes different more than the surgery, more than, you know, you put your time, you, uh, the effort. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for your time. That was amazing. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Right. Nice.